If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. A good Arab Shabbos to everybody. Wonderful to be with you again, to share some ideas, to talk, to listen, and perhaps have some sort of insights into current events, particularly the challenges of the well, the COVID epidemic that has hit the entire world, each and every one of us, so, so strongly. And it's during this time that we have to think about things. It's a time that we're getting a particular message from God Himself. As we read in this week's Parsha, Baha'u'llah, part of the portion speaks about how the Jewish people traveled. And it emphasizes, According to the specific instruction from God, did the Jewish people actually make camp? And according to the specific instruction from God, did the Jewish people travel? And this is something that we have to remember at all times. This is not some sort of random coincidental event in the world. And while we talk about this and that and the other, and numbers and rates and curves and flattening of curves, all of that makes scientific sense. Why it happened and why it happened now is something that each and every one of us must consider and think about in a serious sort of way. What particular message do I feel God is sending me and, well, my family, my entire community, my entire world. Why is God telling us to go through this strange challenge, through this difficult challenge that, as I said before, impacts so powerfully on everybody's lives? Uh, people are finding life extremely, extremely difficult in terms of earning a living, in terms of things behaving in what we consider to be a normal way. I speak to people all the time, and I hear, well, tales of woe. People's businesses are being terrifically challenged. Professionals, their their rooms, their offices have slowed down dramatically. We have to pay out, but very little comes in. But it's not only it's not only an economic, physical challenge, and it's not only a challenge to our health. It's a challenge to the way we think. It's a challenge to the way we see things, understand things, perceive things, try to formulate some sort of path, pattern for the future. This is what life is all about. We do what we do in order that tomorrow should be an easier and better day so that our children grow up in a better and nicer world. We look at the world and we try to anticipate trends in order to move forward in a responsible sort of way. And suddenly all these trends have been challenged and changed and things no longer make sense and things are no longer working in the way they should be working. And around the world we see an upsurge of all sorts of terrible things, violence, craziness, madness. We see politicians behaving in the worst possible way, making public decisions around the world that are not necessarily for the benefit of people, but rather to entrench themselves, their political parties, in power. It's a time of intense, intense analysis and self-examination. And it's we ourselves, each individual, 
that somehow must make peace with God in order to understand what in fact is taking place. As mentioned earlier, this is not random. This is not coincidental. This is not something that's just happening. It's happening for a specific and very real purpose. It's happening... Well, to teach us what life is all about. And this is why, thank God, we have the Torah. We're able to turn to the Parsha of the week and see some message. First of all, the message of travel. Everything is ordained by God. Everything is not only ordained by God, but directly and specifically led by God. Our involvement in the world, again, is not some sort of, well, it happened, it didn't happen. It happens for a purpose, and our job is to find that purpose within our minds, within our hearts, within everything that we possess. The Parsha is an interesting and wonderful Parsha. It begins, of course, with the instruction from God to Aaron through Moshe that Aaron must kindle the lamp, the menorah, the candelabrum. Aaron must do it in a specific and special sort of way that we'll discuss just now, and then it goes to explain what, in fact, the shape and structure of the menorah was something that we've studied before. We already learned how the menorah was made. And again, we are told that it has to be done in a particular sort of way. We have to ask ourselves, why Torah repeats this? Why is it necessary? At this particular juncture in Torah, as we read the Parsha of Ahalotcha, why is it necessary for us to once again, right at the beginning, hear about how the candelabrum, the menorah, was kindled, and how it was made, how it was structured. It's a parasha that talks to us about a great many different things. It talks to us about, well, what has to happen, the journeys of the Jewish people, the way that we go through things, but then it turns a wee bit, more than a wee bit, sour. We begin to read how the Jewish people complain. The Jewish people scream to Moshe, where is, well, where are the benefits that we really should have? We remember the wonderful fish and the wonderful cucumbers and melons that we ate in Egypt for free. It was given to us for free. And, well, the commenters asked the obvious question, how could the Jewish people possibly suggest that it was for free? They were enslaved. They weren't even given the building materials toward the end to fulfill their building quotas. And now they say the fish and the wonderful foods and melons and leeks and cucumbers that we had, what was that all about? How could the Jewish people talk in such, well, blatant, blatant dishonesty? They had nothing. They were given nothing as they were slaves in the land of Egypt. And toward the end, of course, we read again how the Jewish people only want more and more and more. And it's difficult to say that they were simply a people who lusted after or wanted something extra, something different, some other pleasure in life. We're talking about a people that are an altogether different type of generation. It's called the generation of great divine knowledge. How could the people behave in such a way? And while, of course, they did, and this is a tragedy, of, of, of the Jewish experience, how notwithstanding the fact that we have such a rich and powerful, well, past and legacy, something that we were given at Sinai, we all stood there. And yet, from time to time, as we read in the Torah, the Jewish people not only rebel, but they rebel in such a way that indicates that there was something essentially wrong with the people, something absolutely, well, unacceptable. And we have to understand why is all of this contained in the Parsha of Ahalotcha. 
in a parsha that begins with the instruction of Aaron being told how to kindle the menorah, how to kindle the candelabrum, how to bring light into the mishkan, the tabernacle, in the wilderness that stood there. And this is why the entire parsha is something that we have to analyze, and analyze with great insight in order for us to understand, first of all, what happened then, and to take a message from then and to apply it to this current day. And toward the end, of course, we see how much it turns to God with a tremendous sense of complaint and concern. Why have you put me with these people? Why have you given me this incredible task of leading a people who seem to be so unappreciative? But more of that soon. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about lighting the candelabrum, and we have to look a bit beyond the obvious words and begin to think about what it actually means in more spiritual terms. And for this, we turn to our Hasidic and Kabbalistic makhfers who talk to us about the form, the structure, the method of developing the candelabrum. How was it made? It was made from a solid piece, a solid piece of of gold. It wasn't put together and welded together bit by bit, the arms, the base, the center. It was beaten a solid piece of gold. Now, what does that refer to? What does that mean? What it means is that essentially the menorah is not something which is put together of different and separate pieces. It comes from one unit, from one solid unit. Whether it's the top of the menorah, whether it's the base whether it's the central stem, whether it's each individual branch, the entire menorah is from one solid, one solid piece of gold. In other words, different manifestations, different purposes within the menorah. This holds the oil. This keeps it upright. This gives it its beauty. Whatever the case might be, it comes from one central, one central unit which is absolutely important for us to understand. Because in life, as we see ourselves, we see ourselves separately. We see ourselves separately coming from different families, different societies, different backgrounds. We come from all sorts of different and often strange places. And we come together and we try to build a society as best we can. But something is wrong in that society, because often there is conflict between this sector within society and the other. And we look around the world, and this is precisely what we see. We see a world where the various sectors are forever challenging each other, forever turning to each other and questioning their right to exist. However, if we stop for a moment and consider that we all come from the same source, from the same solid piece of gold, each and every one of us. Yes, we were made very differently one from another. Each and every one of us, completely different than sibling sometimes, certainly neighbors, certainly friends. But if we constantly remember that we come from a common source, the same source, then of course our interaction would would be totally different, totally different connected in a different sort of way. And this is why it says that when Aaron lit these lamps on the menorah, there were seven of them. 
and they were all the flames miraculously were facing toward the center. Now the seven flames represent, according to our Kabbalistic and Hasidic masters, they represent seven different types of personalities. One who serves God with chesed, with love, with love, with kindness. Another who serves God with devura, with severity, with awe. Different types of souls, different types of personalities. But all of them are facing toward the center. What does that mean? A human being is a combination of a great many different types of elements. There's the body and the soul. There's the heart, there is the mind. There is the power of, well, logic. And the power of emotion and feeling. When is a human being truly at peace? When is a human being truly functioning properly? It's not when his head and his heart, his emotion and his intellect are in conflict and pulling in different directions. It's not when his soul and his body or her soul and her body pulling in different directions. It's when we all face toward the center. We all try to recognize an essential unity and common purpose and while different parts of the human function in altogether different ways. Emotions are very different than intellect and logic. Body and soul are two very separate and different type of things. But it's the interaction, it's the coming together, it's bringing about a synthesis, a unity, a harmony within the individual, where in fact head and heart work together, where in fact body and soul work together, where in fact logic and emotion work together. It's not an easy road. It's not something which is, well... I do it. It's not, I just do it. This is the journey of life, of trying to reconcile the various elements within ourselves, within each and every one of ourselves, that creates a central unity. And this is why we try at all times within ourselves that we face, we focus to the core of who and what we are. We take our mind, we take our heart, we take our body, we take our soul, and we consider and we think and we apply what is the central core of our being, facing the center. And not only that, but when Aaron lit the candelabra, it had to be done in a way where each flame, he couldn't remove his fire until each individual flame began to rise on its own, began to burn on its own. It's not enough just to give it some fire. You have to give it fire until it becomes an individual functioning element that is able to rise on its own. It has become, in a sense, an independent type of creature. But in within that independence, there has to be a sense of unity as well. This is one of the great gifts of life. That God gave us so many beautiful dimensions within each and every one of us. And the work of trying to bring it together, reconciliation and harmony, this is the beauty of life. But in order to do that, we have to understand what is our body? What is our soul? What is our mind? What is our heart? Are these things just there and they function the way they do and we, well, we kind of take it all for granted and pass through the motions of life? No. We have to spend time trying to understand what those elements are, how they function, what they do, what they should do. And then we can try and bring it all together because we begin to sense and recognize 
a dimension of absolute unity within that sort of situation. This is something which is so important for us to understand because ultimately unless you are able to sense and develop a dimension of unity within your own life, it's extremely difficult to develop a sense of unity, recognition, respect for others as well. And this is what life is all about. Whether it's family, spouse, neighbor, society, world, it is important to understand who and what we are, what role we play in the world, what I'm called upon to do. And when I begin to sense those things within myself, I can reach out to others and develop that type of unity relationship. This is what the candelabrum represents. It speaks about how the candelabrum, this is the Ner Hashem, this is the candle of God, this is what Hashem himself put into this world, each and every one of us is a candelabrum, each and every one of us is a lamp, each and every one of us has so many interesting different dimensions that we try and reconcile and bring about a sense of unity and to feel that sense of unity and to live with that value of unity within ourselves, within everybody around us as well. Because this is the fire of God. This is divine. This transcends difference, even though, even though each one of those lamps had a particular personality and a very specific type of personality. But it all comes together. Because as within each of us, there is the dominant element of personality and then there are other dimensions of personality. We work at bringing them together in order to create one functioning menorah within ourselves, so we must do in the world, creating this huge and wonderful menorah. And we're not always successful at that. We're not always successful at bringing about that sense of unity within ourselves, but this is the journey of life. In the world, generally, of course, we're not always successful. Just look at the history of humankind. Look at our own history. Has it always been peaceful and perfect? Absolutely not. But we try, we strive for that, we work toward that as best we can, as best we should. And this is the idea, this is the idea of the candelabra. Why was it Aaron? Because Aaron had a tremendous sense of love for each and every single person. This is the greatness of Aaron. Aaron was known for being that type of leader. He was a priest. He represented each and every one of us in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle. But he represented each and every one of us with a tremendous sense of devotion of love. As we spoke last week, the great quality of Moshe was that he was able to elevate the head. What was Aaron able to do? Aaron was able to light every single lamp within our own beings. He brought out the fire, he brought out the warmth, he brought out the light, because he was that type of individual. He loved each and every single individual unconditionally, without reservation. And this was his absolute duty and desire, to create that independent sense of light that each and every one of us possesses, so that we can begin to bring light into the hearts and lives and inner menorah of every other individual. 
This was the greatness. The greatness of Aharon is that he was able to kindle that lamp, to kindle that light, and to bring about a sense of unity within each and every one of us, so that each and every one of us could begin to emulate his great love and consideration and give it to others as well and create a sense of unity outside of ourselves. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about what happens at the end of the Pasha when the Jewish people complain vehemently to Moshe and saying things that are strange about the free food they had in Egypt, etc., etc. The fault of it there was that there wasn't a sense of individual responsibility in action. There was, in a sense, a herd mentality. What everybody did, everybody else did as well. People didn't think about stopping and saying, hey, this might be wrong. This might be counterproductive. This way of behavior might be dangerous and terrible. And we've seen what mobs can do. And the reason was, this wasn't simple mob mentality, herd mentality. It's because they were so taken care of on every single level, physically and spiritually, by the miraculous manna, by the incredible clouds that protected them, by the water of the well of Miriam, with leadership such as Moshe, they were completely taken care of. And this is why there was no sense of individual, independent thinking. What was the job of Aaron when he kindled the menorah? Each fire had to go up by itself and become a self-sustaining, independent source of fire, of spirit, of warmth, of light. This is something we have to understand. In Yiddishkeit in particular, you know, we all go to shul and we all go to school and we do this and we do that. But do we actually develop a sense of intellectual, emotional, individual understanding of Torah, fulfillment of mitzvahs? Do we do it just because it's done, because everybody else does it as well? Or do we have the ability of introducing the individual personality, my individual personality, into that Torah study, into the performance of the mitzvah? So that it's done not only with a sense of duty, with a sense of purpose, but with a sense of individual awareness, a personal relationship between myself, between God, between God's Torah, between God's commandments. This is what Aaron, through his incredible love, does. And while unfortunately in the desert it wasn't altogether successful as we see, and throughout history it wasn't altogether successful, this is what we strive for. Not only to bring about reconciliation, harmony, and unity within our own lives, but to bring about a sense of personal commitment and personal responsibility and making choices based upon the type of person that we are. This is something which is so important. While unity is essential, while all the fires, all the flames point to the center. We do this with a tremendous sense of unity, but also with a sense of individual responsibility in the fullest sense of the word. And this is a time, now is a time, 
that we have to concentrate on something like that. We have to take responsibility for our own health. We have to take responsibility for our own safety in terms of health. Yes, of course, there are rules and regulations and we all try to do our best, this, that, and the other, but it comes down to a sense of I have to do this because this is my risk. Not because everybody else is doing it. It's because I am taking responsibility for who and what I am. And this is why this Parsha is so complete in that sense. On the one hand, we see the incredible, incredible warmth and fire that is brought about through the influence of someone like Aaron, who loves each and every single Jew. But at the same time, we see the responsibility of community and the responsibility of self coming together in harmony and creating the best possible way. So when you're sitting at home to go tomorrow, reading the Parsha, learning the Parsha, see that message for yourself. See that message within the words. Read the entire Parsha. Each individual story, each individual detail contributes something important. See the big picture. See the ultimate unity. But see yourself within that. Good job.